0: Cases submitted. We'll hear argument next to number 01-1269, the City of Cuyahoga Falls uh, versus Buckeye Community Hope Foundation. Mr. Nager,
1: Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. Uh, In this case, the Court of Appeals uh, for the Sixth Circuit held that a municipality may be held liable in damages because it withheld the issuance of building permits uh, for a proposed housing project pending a citizen-initiated referendum election on the ordinance authorizing that housing project. In so doing, the Sixth Circuit failed to appreciate that the municipality's actions here were all taken pursuant to pre-existing procedures set forth in the city's charter, procedures that the city followed to the letter. As non-discretionary acts taken in the normal prescribed course, the municipality's actions here were necessarily rational ones, taken without discriminatory motives and without treating the respondents here any differently than any other uh, beneficiary of an ordinance would have been treated that was subject to a petition. And for that reason, we respectfully suggest that the Sixth
2: Circuit — There's no evidence of some kind of misbehavior on the part of the city other than uh, the bare claim that they refused to issue the permit during the process of um, the referendum?
1: That's correct, Justice O'Connor. Every official action of the city here favored — Respondents. The City uh, Planning uh, Commission recommended approval of the housing project and of the site plan authorizing the housing project. The City Council voted in favor of the housing project. Wasn't
3: there some evidence that some city officials sought to delay the proceedings? for a period of time, not, not officially, didn't pass any resolution, but didn't
1: they oppose immediate action on a couple of occasions? Uh, Justice Stevens, prior to the City Council voting on uh, the, the ordinance to approve the project, there was a lot of public debate, and in that public debate there were City officials who said, we, we need to take time to hear the citizen's, citizens' concerns, we need to take time to understand what we're doing, and there were even comments, we should fight this. We should fight this and delay this.
3: Posing one of those comments said we should fight this because we don't want African-Americans to, to move where they're going to move. Would that make any difference? Uh, it, it could make a difference. Because even th- if that had happened, it would still be true, as you pointed out earlier, that every official action taken by the city was favorable to the, your opponents.
1: Well, if, if the actions were taken favorably to the opponents, it couldn't make a difference because at that point the uh, alleged uh, statement wouldn't have any connection to an adverse action. That, that's the important point in this case, because in order to have uh, discrimination either in violation of the Equal Protection Clause or in violation of the Fair Housing Act, you not only have to have a motive, you have to have adverse differential treatment so by wh- the person. Well, I'm trying to be
3: sure I understand. I, th- I, I think I understand your position, is your position is that even if This ambiguous evidence was clearly showed racial hostility, and that's why we're trying to delay it. There still would be no cause of action because everything the city did was in favor of officially was in favor of That's correct. So that really we don't have to try and decide whether or not inferences of improper motive can be drawn from those statements.
1: That's correct, because in this case, all of the city's actions either favor the project or non-discretionary actions.
4: Now, what if the city uh, had taken the same official action that it took in this case? In every official action, either favored or was at least neutral. And yet the city officials uh, went out and and, and whipped up, uh, in effect, anti-black sentiment and, and urged the uh, filing of the application for the referendum would the answer, would the, would the result be the same, that, that there would be no way that the city could be held liable?
1: Um, the short answer to that question is the answer would be the same. Uh, of course, if the referendum were enacted, uh, it went to a vote and it were put into effect and it was racially motivated, that action would be subject to challenge because yeah. that would be, in fact, an action of the city because they would have adopted under your hypothetical facts, an ordinance that could allegedly have a discriminatory intent.
4: But isn't the, uh, isn't the delay simply a, uh, even the delay in, in an instance in which the ordinance is defeated, simply a lesser degree of damage, uh, but which would nonetheless uh, be be subject to a claim?
1: And the answer to that is no. And the answer to that is no, because the delay that happened here, is the delay that would happen with regard to any referendum that was subject to a referendum petition? And the record here is great. well. Clear. It,
4: there's, there's no question that it, it would, but uh, is is the uh, is either the the statute in question here or the equal protection clause blind to an obvious reason for the delay? In other words, I I quite agree. We start with the assumption. That mere delay in governmental processes does not give rise to a cause of action. But when the delay is induced by City officials for a racially discriminatory reason, aren't we then in a
1: different case? Well, it is it, it, a different case, but it is not a different outcome here. And the, the Why shouldn't it be? Well, a different because outcome? under Manel and its progeny, as well as uh, this Court's State action cases, uh, the municipality can be held liable only in damages only if the city, an official with the authority to authorize it, has authorized the discriminatory action that you're talking about. In this specific instance, the, uh, every official action favored the project and the delay that you're talking about was authorized by a city charter uh, created 30 years before the well, the
4: Well, the mechanism is provided by the city charter. I guess what I'm getting at is that if city officials, let's just say the mayor for the sake of argument, uh, or the mayor and the city council, uh, in effect do not establish a policy in the sense that they say, we want to stop black housing projects, but they follow a policy of trying to make it difficult for those housing projects to be approved. And one way they do that is by uh, spurring uh, the, the request for referendums Assuming we're going to apply the Manel rule here, isn't that a policy position of the city, even
1: within the meaning of Manel? No, because they wouldn't have the authority to do that. There's a difference between six city council members voting at a city council meeting as to what the actions of the city are and six city council members going out on their own in their private capacities and expressing their views as citizens and and trying to get other citizens to agree with them as to their private views. Well, uh,
0: supposing, Mr. (coughs) McNair, that you have, say, a a seven-member city council And it's confronted with a project like this. And one of the seven members of the city council says that, you know, he's opposed to this because he doesn't want African Americans moving into this area. The other six members of the city council simply treat the thing on the merits. Uh, does the action of this one individual uh, taint the whole action of the city?
1: Well, it shouldn't. Uh, under uh, Arlington Heights and this Court's cases, uh, the city could be held liable only if those authorized, in this instance a majority of the city council, had the, disc- the discriminatory what if the
5: vote was 4 to 3?
1: If it was 4 to 3 in favor of the housing project. no, oh, against the housing project. Uh, if, if they had discretionary power and four of them exercised their discretionary power against the housing project on the basis of racially discriminatory. O-
5: only one had the racially discriminatory motive, one of the four.
1: Well, the three did it on the merits. Uh, it, it, I think there there would be a good argument that they would still, they, that the plaintiffs would have, would have satisfied uh, their burden of showing but for the racially discriminatory uh, motive uh, that the uh, uh, housing project would have been approved. So in, in that... Hypothetical, which is not the facts of this case, of course, uh, they, w- they would have had sufficient evidence to state a claim.
6: And your difference in the two cases is one: you have an official action taking; we deny the project. Here, you don't have that. But suppose there had been, to take the clearest case, a tape of a meeting: the mayor, the legal director the head of the city council, they all get together and say, we want to kill this project. And we know that the most effective way to do that is through this referendum, because the people won't like it and they'll vote against it. So they have a deliberate plan to string the thing out, and then, as the last act, um, instigate a referendum. And, and as I take it, your argument, you'd say, you're saying even if you have that scenario, there would still be no municipal <coughs> liability. Am I correct?
1: That's correct, Justice Ginsburg. It's obviously our hardest hypothetical, uh, but it's also the same answer. And it, one of the reasons it's the same answer is because, remember, under your hypothetical, the notion is, is that these city officials, not acting in their exercising their official powers but acting in the role any citizen can, can go out and organize the citizens of the community acting in their private uh, capacities to get a referendum on the ballot and vote against it. Of course, that's what democracy is about. It's about uh, 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 politicians taking on causes on behalf of people. Well, Mr.
3: Negri, I think I understand your argument as it applies to the city, but am I correct that the
1: mayor is an individual defendant in this case? Well, he was. He was uh, granted summary judgment. Uh, by the district court on the ground that there was no evidence that he in his individual capacity had committed any of the acts that were alleged against him and that he had not uh, organized the but, campaign. But wasn't
3: that reversed by
1: the Sixth Circuit? No, it wasn't. That issue was not taken up to the Sixth Circuit. Why is he a petitioner, then? He's only here in his official capacity. He was sued in both his individual capacity and in his official
3: capacity. I see. So there's no individual liability at stake here at all? N-
1: no, not, not at this I'd point. like what to is,
2: ask a question, which is these have been very interesting hypotheticals, but are you going to have time to talk about the questions that we granted cert on? Well, and uh, I'm interested what we have have in front of us now at this point as issues?
1: Uh, The issue that you have before us is the Sixth Circuit's judgment is is, uh, uh, because under the Sixth Circuit's view, there was uh, allegedly evidence of racial bias among the citizens that the municipality could be somehow be held liable for that. And that's wrong for two Mm -hmm. reasons. One, it's wrong because the municipality itself has to have the discriminatory animus, and there's no, not only no evidence of that here, it couldn't have been the case since they, of course, all of their actions were voting in favor of it or treating the action neutrally. Uh, secondly...
5: Arguably, the discriminatory animus on the part of the citizens could invalidate the referendum.
1: If it was voted on and put into effect the alleged animus well, even even if it wasn't put into effect it the,
5: the, if there were that animus uh, it it couldn't uh, by our past cases anyway if it could be shown it would it would invalidate the referendum but your point is that whether the referendum was valid or invalid the municipality would have had to stay the project it wasn't up to the municipality to make the judgment
1: that 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 is correct justice glad i do want to make clear that under this court's cases Uh, The Court has never said that that the First Amendment activity of a petition itself is subject to an equal protection challenge. What the Court's cases say is if there is a vote, either on a bill by elected representatives or on a uh, petition by uh, citizens, that the end product of that, which becomes a law, uh, can be challenged and that private animus is contextual evidence for whether or not the people who voted on uh, that final product were themselves uh, uh, motivated by. You're, you're talking Anderson. about
0: people who vote in a referendum. Well,
1: uh, the, the the question is, if there's a final product, was the uh, by the final law was that racially? Uh, but we motivated? we've never
0: said we've never tried to examine the motives of of the citizenry who vote in a referendum on that sort of question, have we?
1: No, you you haven't, uh, uh, Mr. Chief Justice. What the Court has said is is that intent of the law is the key test, and what the Court has said in Arlington Heights is because you can't look directly at the motives of the people who voted on it, whether they be legislators protected by the speech and debate clause or citizens protected by uh, the the, uh, secrecy of the ballot in this country, you'll look at other indicia to determine their intent. But
0: Ar- Arlington Heights
1: was a city councilor, That's so, correct. Or was it yeah. That's correct. And what, here are the
2: referendum uh, failed.
1: Well, we don't know the outcome uh, because the respondents asked for the final vote not to be certified. But what is important here, I think, to address the issue in this case, Justice O'Connor, is that the argument, the the position of the Sixth Circuit here is that the municipality is somehow supposed to inquire behind a facially neutral referendum petition and determine uh, the intent and motives of people engaged in first amendment. Did the
2: city have discretion here to go ahead and issue building permits while the referendum process was pending?
1: No, it didn't. Once the referendum petition was filed under the city charter, the uh, 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 at that point, all the city council could do is repeal its own ordinance or submit the ordinance to a vote of the voters.
7: So what is the claim, in your opinion, that we are reviewing? I mean, I wanted to be specific. The Sixth Circuit, insofar as it's — insofar as — We're concerned, we're interested in what the lower courts held. What, in your opinion, is the claim that they're reviewing? Is the claim that these three individuals, the mayor, the clerk, and an engineer, acting in their official capacities, violated the 14th Amendment or other parts of the Constitution when they refused to issue the permit despite the petition? And despite the provision, is that the claim, or is the claim they did something else as well? They stirred up the petition people, uh, or they did some other thing?
1: Well, the, the, the Sixth Circuit said it was the former. Only the first. Correct. Respondents in their brief have abandoned what the Sixth Circuit held, in which we petitioned in the court-granted search and review to argue a completely different theory.
3: May I ask you, Mr. Negri, is the complaint in the record? I couldn't find it. It's in, a, in, the, in the papers here.
1: I don't believe that it is, no, I don't believe, uh, I mean, it's, it's obviously in the record of the case. It wasn't reprinted in the, in the joint appendix. Uh, unless the Court has further questions, I'll reserve the remainder of my Well, I,
2: I do. Weren't, weren't there some other questions here? Like, didn't we grant cert on three questions? Well, you, you Have did. Have they given up on the second one? Well,
1: they've abandoned their uh, uh, claim that they litigated and prevailed on in the Sixth Circuit that they could proceed on a disparate mm-hmm. impact theory.
2: And the last is a due process?
1: A, a substantive due process claim.
2: Substantive due process?
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, the Sixth Circuit uh, held uh, that there was a triable question of fact as to uh, whether or not the uh, city had acted rationally uh, in proceeding forward with its referendum petition. And we would say that the simple answer to that was at that time, the city charter required the city officials to do so, and that judgment was adopted by three <laughs> courts until the Ohio Supreme Court several years later uh, reversed itself on what the meaning of the uh, Ohio Constitution was, but the subsequent reversal uh, of the highest uh, court's evaluation of what the law was can't change the rationality of the acts at the time that they were taken.
0: Very well, Mr. Nager. Uh, Mr. Sammons, we'll hear from you.
8: Mr. Chief Justice, may it please the Court. Respondents challenge only the delay caused by the City Charter's neutral, long standing provisions facilitating the orderly processing of citizen-initiated referenda to review ordinances passed by the City Council. Such a challenge requires courts to balance the vital First Amendment rights implicated in the referendum process with the equally valid goals of equal protection and fair housing. In this case, that balance is clear. The City's actions in giving effect to the properly filed referendum petition cannot give rise to liability under the Fair Housing Act or the Equal Protection Clause. It is undisputed that the referendum petition was facially neutral and that numerous reasonable non-racial grounds supported it. It is also undisputed that the City's process for handling such petitions was long-standing and race-neutral. Under any conceivable standard, respondents have failed to provide any evidence that the referendum process was tainted with discriminatory motive, either on the part of the city officials or the petition organizers.
7: suppose it was. I mean, I don't understand your brief from this point of view. Uh, you were talking about an antitrust analogy. I mean, imagine a plaintiff in an antitrust case deliberately to ruin his competitor, and no one doubts it, files a case in the court. And no matter how evil that person was, I can't imagine, or I haven't heard to date, under the antitrust law or any other law, somebody who would sue the clerk of the court because he docketed the uh, he docketed the 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 claim uh, he docketed the complaint. And according to what you've said, that's what's at issue here. That they're they're, they're simply carry now. I, I'd need some explanation. I'm bringing it up because I'm quite honestly confused about
8: it. Y- yes, sure. Yes, Your Honor. I, to, to be sure, the analogy. Uh, to the North Pennington line of cases is not perfect in this case, but it, it, it
7: no, I bring it up because I'm confused as to how, in your mind, you see this thing working. I, I mean, I suppose if a city has a totally evil, horrible petition for a, for a, for a, for a, for uh, a, uh, uh, for a referendum, a person still could make it, and the person who's in charge of carrying out the, 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 the non, the ministerial duties, uh, himself would not be sued, even if that person himself was evil. So, so what, what is the—how what, what, how does this all work in your mind?
8: Yes, Your Honor. The, the approach that we recommend in our brief, Your Honor, is that the court undertake the question as to whether the petitioning at issue was genuine or whether it was a sham. That's the same type of analysis the court has undertaken.
7: Assume it's a sham. It, they're evil. Yeah, they're yeah, horrible. Sure. They're terrible. I would think even an evil, horrible, terrible person has the right to go to the legislature and petition, and that the clerks who are to file that petition are themselves clerks, and they're to do it even if they're evil themselves.
8: Uh, I, I, that is correct, Your Honor. I think there are two ways in which the city could potentially be held liable. I think this is not a case where the court has to decide whether the city could ever be held liable based on the uh, discriminatory motives of the referendum petitioners, because it's clear in this case that the petitioning was genuine and this isn't a sham. But in the situation where you do have a sham...
0: What what do you mean by saying the petition was genuine as opposed to a sham in in this context?
8: I I think genuine here means the same it means in, in, in the other context in which the Court has used the sham doctrine, namely that it was about the First Amendment activity. The the process that the the, the city here — I
2: just — this is such a strange argument. Why wouldn't we wait and see if some action was taken by means of a referendum, passed, and became law? Then wouldn't we be able to say that constitutes state action at that point? And you would subject it conceivably to an equal protection analysis if the issue is raised and apply rational basis or whatever it is. Now, I don't understand why you ever get to this sham action in Nor Pennington.
8: Certainly, Your Honor. It, it, in the event that you have a referendum that is actually enacted in the law, the Court would examine it in the way that, that you have articulated. We thought it was important to point out to the Court that this process by which Uh, A city ordinance is, if you will, stayed pending resolution of the referendum vote is a a traditional and important part of the process for referendums, but it's also a process that can give rise to abuse if you have a petition that is a sham, that's not about the First Amendment process at all. It's well, uh, I I an advantage of the delay. I don't know
0: what you mean by abuse in a situation like this. I mean, presumably anybody has a right to petition. And, you know, the fact that maybe they won't get the necessary votes surely doesn't make it a sham.
8: That, that is certainly true, Your Honor. Um, but but I think there are, to to get back yeah, to the, the original the reason question, what I'm trying uh, two to.
7: Two minutes from now, I'm going to hear the other side get up, and they're going to say this is a sham. Okay? I suspect. <laughs> Now, that's why I want to understand the relevance of this, and I I come into this thinking if it's the Nazis, the the most terrible racists, uh, that's still the most terrible people in the world, if they're Americans, they can come in and they can vote and they can go to their legislature and they can put anything they want on the ballot, and the the people who uh, are mechanically in charge of seeing that those things are voted on uh, that's their job. They should do it. And if those are evil and terrible and contrary to the Constitution, the courts will strike them down when they get passed. Now, what's, now you explain how your thing fits into that.
8: Yes, Your Honor. First of all, let me just say that there's bo- there would be, need to be both an objective and a subjective component to the sham standard as there is in other contexts. But to try and address the question that you originally posed, uh, it, it does seem to us that there are at least two ways in which the city uh, ca- can be held liable. Um, in the event that you have sham petitioning, one would be that if the city officials themselves were part of the sham and the other would be
5: what is a sham? Yeah. That's that's our basic problem. Yeah. I don't understand what is a sham in the antitrust you, you, you context. Haven't told us. in the antitrust context. I understand it because because there is the law and 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 you come up with a phony, a phony law. You know, you can say it's a sham, but there's no law about referendums. You can have a referendum on anything you like. How well, can you have a wrong referendum well, and Hon- a sham referendum? It doesn't make any sense to me.
8: Your Honor, this Court's sham analysis has to do with whether or not it's actually about the First Amendment activity or it's just about an effort in this case to take advantage of the delay to interfere with someone's housing rights. We think that same analysis can apply here by inquiring as to whether, first of all, the, the referendum petition – uh, is objectively baseless. Is there any way that that petition could have been enacted into law and enforced? If, for example, you had a petition that said no minority shall live in the city of Cuyahoga Falls, clearly that's a referendum that could never go into effect and never be enforced and therefore it may be strong evidence that the process here is not about so changing the, clerk, the law of the sense, city. So the
7: clerk of the court who says I'm putting this on the ballot, he's violated the law in putting it on the ballot. Of course, if it's passed, it's totally unconstitutional. But you're saying that the clerks shouldn't even put that on the ballot? I mean, that would be quite a novel proposition to me.
8: Your Honor, I'm not necessarily saying the clerk shouldn't put that on the ballot, but that would be one part of the analysis in determining whether or not the process was being abused, and it was just a sham.
3: Isn't, wouldn't it be a sham? Let me just put this on the table. As I understand, the Ohio Supreme Court said that this was not a legal referendum. when it got it all through with things. And if everybody had known before the, the case started that it was an illegal referendum, well, that would have been a sham,
8: wouldn't I, it? I think that very well may be strong evidence that it was a sham. This was about an attempt to abuse the process. It wasn't about any protected First Amendment activity. And, and, and in that situation, I think there is... In in addition to the possibility, although I think perhaps unlikely that you can hold the city um, uh, vicariously liable based on the motives of the citizens, I think there is a difficult question as to whether the actions of of the referendum, the petition signers, the 10 percent who sign the petition and file it, whether that action is the official action of the city with regard to the petition, just as the action of the voters at the referendum vote is an action of the city for which the city can be held liable, this court need not address that in this May case.
3: I ask your view on the hypothetical. I asked of the other lawyer. Supposing it was perfectly clear that the mayor and everybody else in this used the referendum as a method of delaying a granting of the permit and that they did so for racially motivated reasons, would there be any, any liability on anybody? But,
8: Potentially, Your Honor. I think, again, the the way in which the analysis would work is the court would need to inquire as to whether the petitioning was genuine in the sense that there was a genuine effort to try and change the city's ordinance. And if so, then the First Amendment would provide immunity.
3: But they they figured it was going to lose in the long run. But nevertheless, let's assume they wanted to delay things for 60, 90 days, whatever it might be, because they wanted to delay it on on, you know this, this project.
8: Yes, if, it,
3: if it were clear, because this case is on summary judgment, so we really don't know what the facts are. Well, but, I mean, but if there were clear evidence that the mayor and everybody else acted <coughs> from a racially motivated reason, would there be liability in that
8: situation? I, I think you'd need to examine both the motives in, in your hypothetical, not only of the city officials but also of, of the petition signers. Everybody, about personal everybody.
5: liability or official
8: liability? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm talking about the liability of the city, your honor.
3: Okay. So you're yeah, talking I, about liability. I'm assuming everybody who opposed the project was racially motivated, and that could be demonstrated with tape recorders.
8: I, I, I guess the short answer, Your Honor, is that even people with racial motives have the right to petition their government to change the law. And it, but well, if they, I, what, what no one has the right to do is abuse the process in order to interfere with someone's fair housing. So your and, answer, and there'd be no liability in that case. See, if it was genuine petitioning, that is correct. Thank you, Your
0: Honor. Thank you, Mr. Sammons. Uh, Mr. Kramer, we'll hear from you. Mr. Cramer, opposing counsel uh, says that you have, in effect, abandoned the second question presented—the disparate impact question. Uh, Is that correct, or is it not correct?
9: It's correct, uh, Mr. Chief Justice. We we have uh, uh, waived that claim that had been certified by by this court. Uh, Mr. Chief Justice, may it please the court, uh, the city and the Solicitor General has tried to complicate. What really is a very simple case. What is the injury that the plaintiff is complaining about? The plaintiffs have been denied unlawfully their site plan and its benefits, including a building permit. City conduct, nothing to do with referendums, nothing to do with First Amendment rights. The issues of liability in this case, which the Sixth Circuit took up, was, did the city and its officers act out of discriminatory motive by delaying this housing project and refusing to give effect to the site plan ordinance to appease racial and anti-family prejudices in violation of the Equal Protection clause? How could
5: they do that if they had no choice? I mean, if the law told them you have to stop the project once the referendum is filed, even if in their heart and heart, Heart of hearts, they were delighted for racial reasons that this was the case. Nonetheless, uh, they had no choice.
9: We believe that they did have a choice, and uh, we cite uh, cases um, to the court from the Ohio Supreme Court on page 25 of our brief that indicates that uh, the petitions did not have to be certified uh, by the the court.
0: Uh, by but by the, the lo- city. The lower courts didn't adopt that proposition, did
9: they? The lower courts weren't asked that question, Your Honor, because we're really talking about whether or not the uh, there was official conduct by the city.
0: So didn't they go on the basis that the city that the city officials' action was mandatory, the lower courts?
9: As I said, I don't really believe the Sixth Circuit approached uh, the, the case from from that particular issue. So it di- there was discretion, we believed, and we certainly provided evidence. And again, as, uh, uh, as was indicated by the court uh, to the Solicitor General, this is on summary judgment. For example, in the record, there is an affidavit uh, from the law director for the Village of Orange uh, that we filed with our uh, brief Uh, an opposing summary judgment that indicated that there was discretion uh, not to certify uh, the referendum.
0: That's a question of Ohio law, I take it?
9: That's correct. And
0: the way you sought to prove it was to get an affidavit from the law director of some suburb of Cleveland?
9: As one element of proof, uh, we indicated that that showed that there was discretion. But the Ohio case law indicates uh, there are instances where... If the subject was inappropriate, and let's remember, the Ohio Supreme Court ruled that this was not an appropriate subject for a referendum. But,
0: but it rules that way many years, many years after this case was it went to litigation, did it not?
9: Yes, Your Honor.
6: It uh, had it cert- nothing to do with whether it was racist, sexist. It, it had to do with was it administrative or legislative.
9: That's correct, and it also so only have, had. Do you
6: have any? Do you have any authority to say that? There is discretion to reject a petition that is properly legislative.
9: Well, the uh, yes, uh, uh, Justice suppose, suppose you
6: had a legislative proposal that um, members of a certain race will never be included in any kind of uh, an equal opportunity law. Suppose you had that was the referendum. Is there any authority that says that under Ohio law, that couldn't be put on the ballot?
9: I don't know of Ohio law, but certainly this court's decision in Hunter versus Erickson dealing with uh, an Ohio uh, um, referendum indicates that that type of referendum um, is unconstitutional.
0: Well, now, I don't believe that's a correct statement of the holding in Hunter. I thought in Hunter this Court said that a municipality cannot make racial laws subject to referendum and no other laws, which is quite a different proposition from what you suggest.
9: Well, with uh, Mr. Chief Justice, we are talking about uh, this Court's jurisprudence that deals with simply because it's a referendum, if the legislature could not do uh, this, pass a law that says, for example, that uh, African Americans cannot own property like in Buchan versus the Orleans. legislature
5: could do that, would, would we enjoin a legislature from passing an unconstitutional law
9: and uh, the, federal,
5: no. the federal Congress passes unconstitutional laws all the time
9: <laughs>
5: we 've never been asked to enjoin them
9: and uh, you 're correct, justice Scalia, and we have not so there 's a difference
5: that. between whether the product is unconstitutional, and whether the doing of it is unconstitutional. And the doing of an unconstitutional referendum, as far as I know, is not unconstitutional. You are entitled to pass an unconstitutional referendum. We will ignore it, however.
9: And it may subject, if there is direct injury, uh, damages to my client. And that is all we have before this case.
7: But wait, the the project is built, right? That's correct. So you've got your project. And now what you're saying is that they violated the Constitution in not giving you the permit quicker. And they, am I right? That's correct. All right. And they come back and they say, how could we give it to you quicker? There were petitioners who they would a petition and the law prevents us from giving it to you quicker because once a petition's on the ballot, the law says we can't give it to you. Now, what's your response to that?
9: The response is that it was the city's actions uh, we believe the evidence uh, that we've proffered to uh, in the summary judgment shows that they took this action uh, as a public private partnership. The mayor, uh, city council people uh, looked for, as they, one city councilman said, any legal shred uh, to be able to reject this uh,
7: development. But explain to me a little bit better what their, their response is the reason we didn't give you the permit faster. Is because here's the provision of the law. It says once a petition for referendum is filed, and it says whether it's legal or illegal, we have to delay this. Now, your response to that is they say, what should we have done that we didn't do once that petition was filed? And your response is?
9: What should be done in a case like this is that there is an injury to my client. The injury, whether it was discretionary or non-discretionary, is, is not the the question. What was the purpose behind denying the building permit? And under Ellington Heights, uh, this court has indicated one of the things that uh, a court can look at as competent evidence is uh, did the city officials take action to appease racial bias? Even if it was a non-discretionary act, if the effect of that was to uh, permit private bias. That's quite a that proposition.
5: If, if, if I have a, you know, I'm, I'm a racist and it really makes me happy that this act, which I'm compelled to do by law, hurts someone of a certain race, that renders that act invalid even though I'm compelled to do it by law? I don't think so.
9: What we're saying is that it may not be invalid, but there may cause liability uh, it right. can be so what I'm legal you act. Saying,
7: what I'm hearing you saying in response to my question is, I'm the mayor and the other, and I say, well, what did you want me to do? The statute said, don't give you the permit because the petition's been filed. What could I have done? And your answer to that basically seems to be nothing. You couldn't have done anything. We agree. But the petition itself was an evil petition. Right. I mean, evil being quotes for what we all know is going on, all right? So it's an evil petition. And, therefore, when you face this evil petition, even though you couldn't do anything about it, you have to pay damages because the reason we were delayed was because of that process. is that basically your argument?
9: Yes, uh, Justice Breyer. We're we're saying that even if it was a legal thing to do, if the uh, act of it was because of racial or anti-family bias — uh, that would be a violation of the. Uh, now this, the reason
7: that that bothers me, of course, is because I can think of a whole range of evil legislative acts, and I can think of quasi acts that I'm not sure about, and then I can think of a lot of ones I like. All right, so so, but I'm worried in the first category, in the second category. Once we got into the business of paying damages because it turns out that they are evil, that would, in fact, chill the legislative process, which is a democratic process. And I think that's the argument they're trying to make. So I'd like to get your response to that.
9: What I would say, Justice Breyer, is that the fact that there was um, an evil motive uh, behind any of these acts, and by the way, the referendum is only the culmination of the acts. There was a series of discretionary acts. For example, the strategy of the city was to do two things. One was to delay uh, this project because they knew that there was a, a very finite period of time for our little nonprofit tax uh, exempt developer to build this project or lose their financing. So they knew the longer they could delay, the more likely the project would die. And second of all, they wanted to make the project more costly. So, for example, they required, uh, before we even talked about a referendum, a barrier wall to be built before even a building permit that could be issued, a six-foot uh, earthen uh, wall with a five-foot uh, fence between two conforming multifamily uh, projects. I
6: agreed to that. Your client didn't. Make any objection to that?
9: My client was willing to do that because he was told by the city it would uh, smooth the process over. He certainly did not uh, waive his rights, and in the depositions, um, the Planning Commissioner, uh, Lewis Sharp, specifically testified the reason he was demanding that was because our project was going to have a large number of children. Now, under the Federal Fair Housing Act, as amended in 1988, uh, such an act. Uh, may well violate uh, the protection against, uh, against children.
6: You said, but, but nonetheless, he didn't contest it. Then you say the whole object was delay. And as I see this thing unfold, the big delay is during the pendency of the referendum because it was at the end of February when the Planning Commission got this. They had conditions on it, but they acted on the very same day. The uh, ordinance was approved on april first as things go in the zoning area from february twenty first until april first is not a very long time is it
9: no, but there was um, three hearings and there was a great deal of public opposition and one of the reasons but for the, the, the delay, delay
6: as far as that, that's not. The the delay that you're complaining about is from the moment the petition was filed for the referendum until when he finally got the building permit.
9: The actual uh, complaint that we we think we were injured was the building permit's not being uh, provided to us. Uh, The delay goes to the amount of damages we think our client has suffered. The official act that we're talking about is the building permits being, uh, not being issued. And but you couldn't we,
6: have expected them to be issued the, the day you filed the site plan. I mean, there has to be a meeting of the Planning Commission. There has to be a meeting of the City Council.
9: That's correct. And uh, we submitted uh, our building permits uh, after uh, the, the approval by the, the City Council. Uh, what we're talking about, Your Honor, is that the city's actions in denying that building permit were uh, at this stage of the proceeding. All we're talking about is summary judgment. Is there sufficient evidence uh, that a trier of fact uh, would find that the the actual denial was uh, racial prejudice of city officials or appeasement, Uh, by city officials.
3: Mr. Kramer, uh, I asked your opponent, but is the, is the complaint in the papers before us? Do you know? Uh,
9: Your Honor, the, uh, complaint is not in the appendix, but it is in the, uh, joint appendix that was filed with the Sixth Circuit. You'll find that, uh, in Volume 1 on page 37 of the record. But it's uh, it's the Sixth Circuit Joint Appendix. I see. Which I believe this The thing I was curious
3: about, to tell you the truth, did you include a regulatory takings claim in your complaint? No, we did not. You did not. Mr. Kramer, would you explain to me what exactly you think the
4: relevance of the subsequent referendum was? For example, do you say the relevance of the subsequent referendum to your claim for delay in issuing the permit Simply, is the evidence that it furnishes of, of racial bias ultimately on the part of city officials? Or is, is its relevance that it increased the damages otherwise attributable to the day, delay in the permit? How exactly should we regard the referendum? You, you understand the problem that we're all having with, with it. Uh, precisely how does it figure in your claim? It's the latter,
9: Justice Souter. We're saying that the referendum, um, which was part of an overall scheme by city officials to delay this project so that it would kill it. And so the injury that we're talking about from, um, from the referendum deals with the, uh, the city officials using that as the legal shred to be able to uh, uh, deny the building permits. And the evidence, we believe, uh, that we have proffered to the Court uh, through the uh, summary judgment motion is that there was not only citizen bias, which under Arlington Heights this Court has indicated, we certainly can allow — it's competent evidence that can be looked at of whether or not legislators use that bias to be able to uh, take that action.
4: I understand that. If if there had been no referendum, no petition had ever been filed for the referendum, and none had ever been held, would you still have essentially the same claim, though with a different evidentiary basis?
9: Absolutely, Justice Souter. Because the what we are complaining about is the denial of the building permit. That's the injury that. There would have so, been
6: no denial of the building permit absent the referendum. in
5: without the referendum, <laughs> the referendum the worst part of your case. You you, you wish there weren't a referendum then they would have had no basis to deny. deny.
4: And no, but you, in, in I, I, case, I thought your claim was that, that you would still have been delayed in being issued the permits and it, you would still have had a claim for that. Am I, am I wrong on that?
9: I would say that we had uh, some claim for uh, the time between when we submitted the request for the building permits and how long it took them uh, to be able in, to — And in the
4: absence of the referendum, how long would that have been?
9: That would have been a matter — well, we don't know. Uh, Why don't you
6: know? Because there's a 30-day period. The the City Council acts on April 1st. That goes into effect in 30 days unless there's an intervening referendum, so that you would have had by May 1st the building permit.
9: We don't know, because in the record, uh, Mayor Robart Sent a letter uh, ordering his building commissioner not to issue the building permits, and that was even that was, prior to the referendum. That of was the, in the
6: 30 day period when they no. couldn't be issued because it hadn't become effective yet. The, the instruction was simply what the law was that the ordinance approved by the city council doesn't become law until 30 days after that approval. So the, the the mayor, to that extent, was just telling them uh, to do what the law would require. But in understanding your complaint and how you are tying in the officials to the referendum, are you saying that absent the official prompting instigation or whatever you call it, that there would never have been a referendum? That in, in fact that the mayor whipped up the referendum?
9: Yes, uh Justice Ginsburg, we, we believe we indicated that this was not something that the city responded, from, uh, responded to from their citizens, but this was a scheme where city officials, including Mayor Robart, with other uh, private citizens, got together and said, How can we deny this? But
5: you've lost on that and didn't appeal it. I mean, he'd be a very bad man for doing that, and you might have a cause of action against him. But I don't see any official city action involved in that. Is it official city action for the mayor mayor to stimulate a referendum? How is that official city action?
9: And we're not talking about that that's uh, something that caused a uh, damage. What we're talking about is... uh, is there evidence that we can use to show that the ultimate decision, which was to deny the building permit that caused the injury, is there uh, evidence that the mayor participated in a, to appease racial and anti-family bias? This is really a simple Arlington Heights case. The, it, the
7: problem. I just wanted to finish, but I just wondered before you finish, if you respond to something Justice Stevens said, which was about regulatory takings. I mean, what is in the back of my mind here to stimulate an answer is suppose you weren't Section 8 housing, suppose you were building a hotel, and suppose the referendum wasn't people who might be bigoted, uh, may perhaps, but but suppose they were environmentalists, and and suppose the constitutional claim was not the... uh, People that didn't want rich people to move in the neighborhood. What? People that didn't want rich people to move in. Okay, good. The... the, uh, uh, you see, and suppose the constitutional claim were a takings claim. Now, if I polled for you here, if the court votes for you here, wouldn't it then have to say that all these environmental cases and so forth, I, I don't want to win your case for you, but I might be in my question. You see, there'd be quite a problem about whether a city wouldn't have to pay damages every time that they make a mistake in their environmental regulation and uh, perhaps uh, uh, try to stop the hotel, and they thought they could stop it, but it turns out later they couldn't. You see, you see the analogy. I that understand we're in, the or, analogy. So what? What do you? What? Do you, what?
9: The difference, uh, Justice Breyer, is that the uh, we are asking only for the court to look at the issue of has the plaintiff's proffered sufficient evidence that racial bias and anti-family bias uh, was involved in the decision to deny the building permit. The referendum was part of an overall scheme by city officials to delay and ultimately kill this project. If that is the case, then the referendum, which Ohio Supreme Court has ruled it was illegal to begin with, even if it was legal, we believe under your jurisprudence, if the motivation of the city to use the referendum was uh, unlawful, the violation occurs under the 14th Amendment and the Equal Protection Clause. With regards to your question about the regulatory taking, we saw this, this case under a due process, substantive due process, procedural due process uh, examination, very similar, I think, to the situation that's uh, actually the exact opposite to uh, the City of Eastlake versus um, Forest uh, City case, which uh, Justice Stevens uh, is the only participating uh, member um, that was on that particular case.
3: When you so look- there are eight other members of the court that disagreed with me. <laughs>
9: <laughs>
3: uh, but we have a new court, Your Honor.
5: <laughs> and, and we believe now that you're, you're now addressing the third of the questions presented. It's the first we've heard about the due process claim. That's correct. You haven't abandoned that, and absolutely you're not a due process claim. No. Now, you know, this is substantive due process we're talking here, right? Well, substantive or, a or fundamental we... right to have a building permit uh, granted within a within a reasonable period. I
9: we're not talking about a reasonable period. We're no. talking about uh, both. We had raised both procedural and substantive due process claims in the lower courts. What we're saying is the process was so fundamentally uh, flawed that it rises to a a, uh, due process violation. Whether it's substantive or procedural, uh, we don't believe uh, is is really the issue here. We're talking about a process... where there was a whole set of procedures set up by the city of Quagga Falls on how to approve this site plan ordinance. Um, the, the site plan um, procedures were set forth, permitted um, for a record to be developed, and there was a, a planning commission uh, meetings. There was the city council meetings. And if the city council or the planning commission had denied Our uh, right to the site plan ordinance and its benefits, we would have had a right under Ohio law to go under the Ohio Administrative Procedure Act and get a court to review that issue.
6: Because there would have been official action. And that's the problem here, that there — do you call a referendum that's put on the ballot because 10 percent of the electorate has signed petitions, do you call that state action which is subject to the equal protection um, surveillance. I thought that that's, a, that's a, an initiative of the people and it's not action of the city.
9: Well, the only reason why the people are able to get a referendum is because the city charter, which is their constitution, permitted that.
0: But th- that permitted it 30 years ago, did
9: it not? That's right. But uh, in the, the due process uh, um, area, uh, Your Honor, we're not talking about discriminatory intent. All we're talking about is looking at whether the procedure set forth uh, is fundamentally flawed and does it, uh, is it arbitrary and capricious and not substantially related to the general welfare as, uh, as this court has talked about uh, ever there since you But all
2: kinds of nutty referendum measures that voters put forward. I, your theory would seem to subject a state or a city or whatever it is to a lawsuit every time there's one of these nutty proposals put forward.
9: No, we're talking about whether you have to have a, a protected property interest and you also have to have um, a situation where there is a arbitrary and capricious action. In this case, uh, we have ownership of property, which under the original uh, intention of of the framers of the Constitution, uh, ownership of private property and the ability to develop using uh, uh, this property for a lawful purpose um, is protected by the due process clause. And when you look at the but issue... your theory, as I understand
3: it, is that there was... If it was racially motivated, there was just sort of an arbitrary... There was an absence of a legitimate reason for the delays and the shenanigans and so forth. But it seemed to me the same argument could be made if they were trying to protect the wetlands and they used the same kind of shenanigans.
9: Well, Your Honor, now, we certainly raised the question about if this was a discriminatory motive, that would mean that there would not be... Uh, The general welfare, But um, More importantly, our argument uh, is that there is a per se violation whenever you have an administrative matter, which should be taken up uh, through the city council or through the courts or from from an administrative agency like the Planning Commission. And the evidence in the record, as uh, the lower courts point out, uh, is that we met all the requirements for the city uh, to uh, To get our site plan. And then when the city council approved it, when the planning director said we met or exceeded uh, the site plan ordinance, they put it to a referendum and they asked 20,000 voters to approve or disapprove a site plan ordinance they never saw and the... Uh, And whether or not that site plan ordinance conformed to the building and zoning code that they never read.
4: But what your your argument boils down to is to say that there is a recoverable substantive due process violation whenever a property right of yours is interfered with by a misuse of the legislative process, even a temporary one. Isn't that the, the nub of your claim? I would
9: say we, we uh, are asking for a fairly narrow interpretation. We're saying if it's an administrative matter which should not be
4: subject to
9: the decision of voters because
4: the well, what, this is not legislative. From the standpoint of your claim, why does it matter whether it, it was a legislative use uh, countering an administrative action or whether it was a legislative use with a racial motive, it is an improper use of a legislative procedure. And you're saying, as I understand it, whenever that, in fact, is effected therein, and you can, uh, you can uh, make a, a colorable claim of, of some economic damage, that you have a substantive due process right to recover. Isn't uh, that correct?
9: Justice Souter, that is something that we have raised in our brief. But uh, we also have raised a much narrower issue, which would be simply looking at a site plan ordinance should it be subjected to a popularity contest. It's standardless. This Court has uh, ruled. You never
5: mentioned procedural due process in your brief. The first mention I heard of it is in your argument here where you say it doesn't matter whether it's substantive or procedural. Your brief went entirely to substantive due process.
9: Well, the reason that we didn't raise that is the Court didn't certify a question other than the substantive due process. We believe that it really subsumes that uh, issue when you look at the procedure itself is so fundamentally flawed. It is very similar to the, the uh, or uh, the situation in the city of East, uh, East Lake, um, that uh, the court say, looked at. Would you be
6: saying that if the Ohio court had stuck to its original position, I mean, it was four three both times?
9: Well, yeah, the Ohio court in both cases, um, Justice uh, Ginsburg. Uh, first ruled that it was an administrative matter.
0: Thank you, Mr. Kramer.
1: Thank you, Chief Justice.
4: Uh,
0: Mr. Nager, you have three minutes
1: remaining. Oh. No, he didn't. Well, he's Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice. Uh, with respect to the disparate impact claim, I would just like to clarify that we were the petitioners, and the Court did grant certiorari on the issue, and there is a judgment of the Sixth Circuit um, against my clients on that issue, and while they've abandoned the claim and declined to defend the Sixth Circuit's judgment, we would request that the Court vacate that judgment and instruct that the disparate impact claim be dismissed with prejudice. With uh, Justice Breyer, with respect to your questions, uh, to my opposing counsel, the point we'd like to add to what you had to say is simply that if we had done what they wanted, we would have been subjected to a damages claim. It would have been a First Amendment claim by the uh, Citizen is seeking to put something on the ballot by initiating a petition, and it, it can't be that in order to uh, avoid a Fourteenth Amendment damages claim, we have to violate other people's First Amendment rights. Uh, if the court doesn't have any further questions, we have nothing further. Thank you,
0: Mr. Nager. The case is submitted.
6: The Honorable Court is now adjourned until tomorrow at 10 o'clock.